You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Well, good morning. Good to be with you guys. My name is Ryan. Those of you that are new, welcome to North Valley. And so happy Thanksgiving and early Merry Merry Christmas. So we're in the season. And so uh, I want to start off with something funny. Last week, I I kicked something off in our first service. and It was totally a flop. So I'm retrying, doubling my efforts. I want to encourage you to laugh, enjoy yourself, have a great time. Uh, This morning, what I want to do is I'm going to show you this funny little video clip. I think that summarizes the intensity of Thanksgiving when you have these expectations and then you have your experience. I can relate to this dad. Check this out. All right, first time frying a turkey. Stay inside, please. Stay inside. Stay inside. Stay inside. Stay inside. Right. Get inside right now. Oh. <laughs> ah, yeah. Uh, I've been in the valley almost ten years now, and uh, but I still recall watching the news on Monday after uh, Thanksgiving holiday season. The reporters always had a heyday back in Arkansas, uh, filming and telling the stories about all the trailers that burnt down because the deep fryer blew up the trailer. Uh, That is dangerous. I actually almost burned down my dad's uh, cabin. It was terrible. It was. I tried to pour some water on it. It was the worst thing you could ever do. My dad came out and yelled at me, and it was a good yelling. I needed it, and, uh, but I, I thought that was funny. Um, that guy needed some turkey margin is what he needed. He needed some margin. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to teach you about margin, what it looks like, and then who's stealing it. Uh, margin is the only gift that you can actually give to yourself. Nobody else gives you margin. You give yourself margin. I would argue that God wants margin in your life, and if you don't have it, then you are going to struggle to fulfill the greatest commandments. It's to love God and love neighbor as yourself. Um, margin is the thing uh, defined like this. It's, margin is the space that once existed between ourselves and our limits. If you don't know your limit, then you're always going to be struggling with margin. And typically, there's kind of three big areas that we think about when we think about margin that I'm going to teach you about today. Number one is the time margin. In today's society, we're, we're, we like got stopwatches, we got timers, we got beepers, we got phones, we got everything you can imagine to, to manage time. And it's really interesting in a, in a worldwide study of understanding countries and using time devices, the countries that utilize the most time devices actually report higher anxiety, higher depression, higher suicides, higher hypertension, higher health problems. Isn't that funny? The th- I mean, it's, it's not funny. Okay, let's say that. That's not funny. Uh, isn't that interesting? That the, the very countries that are utilizing this technology are the, are the countries that are suffering and struggling as a result of it. Time is something that we try to manage. You used to be ruled by the week or ruled by the day. Now we're ruled by the minute. Uh, we think about every minute oftentimes. And, um, and then there's money. And we're going to talk about money today in the area that we need margin. We need margin in our time. Jesus shows us how to do that pretty well. And, then, and, then, and we need margin in our money. We, we can easily uh, spend too much money. Um, here's another funny video I saw that just highlights kind of the season bliss that people get into in spending and buying stuff. Check this out. 
Donatella. T-Mobile. Three words for you. Treat yourself. Treat yourself 2011. Once a year, Donna and I spend a day treating ourselves. What do we treat ourselves to? Clothes. Treat yourself. Fragrances. Treat yourself. Massages. Treat yourself. Mimosas. Treat yourself. Fine leather goods. Treat yourself. It's the best day of the year. The best day of the year. I really want this dress, and I like this crystal beetle, but it's expensive, and there's no use for it. Donna Meagle, treat yourself. Velvet slippies, cashmere socks, velvet pants, cashmere turtle. I'm a cashmere velvet candy cane. Treat yourself. I mean, this is insane. This is insane. I hear people tell me sometimes that they go shopping for therapy. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> They want to treat themselves. If you constantly treat yourself and don't put a lot of thought into it, uh, you're going to have no margin with your money. Uh, the last one is just relationships. I want to encourage you and help you see in Scripture the importance of having margin and space for relationships. You want to put in the, you know, the priorities that matter the most. And so oftentimes what we do as Christians is we actually over, we, we run on overcapacity. We're, we're, we're blowing past our margins because we've adopted this mentality of progress that we always have to achieve and do more and be better and all that. And we even interpret passages like this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Well, that's a great passage, it's not a license to live a marginless life. It's not a license to just uh, die for the sake of, of even Christian service. We don't have to die for the church as Christians because Jesus already died for the church. Um, and I've seen way too many pastors quote this kind of Bible verse to their family, and their family is fractured, uh, has no margin in their relationships. They've taken almost a vow for poverty, have no margin in their money, and their time is, they're way overworked. And oftentimes in, the, in, the, in a, a Christian uh, business world, we can do the same kind of thing. We're always thinking about somebody else, and that's good, and that's right. However, the greatest commandment, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as your what? Self. So treat yourself. <laughs> no, love yourself. That's what Jesus said. Love yourself. Um, so that means that you and I are going to have to learn how to say no at times. Uh, years ago, when uh, Steve Jobs was alive, he came back into uh, Apple and for the second time resumed the position as CEO, and it was just falling apart. And he said, guys, 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 the problem with this company right now is that you've said yes to everything. We need to say no to stuff. And they took a new approach and started simplifying and mainstreaming their technology and their products and their design, and it brought it right back up. My thought is, is that the problem oftentimes with you and me is because we're addicted to progress and, and more, bigger, better, faster, further kind of mentality that you and I have got to figure out how to say no more often if we want to build up reserves in the area of time money, and relationships. So let's look at Jesus and the ministry of margin that he offered his followers. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 29, perhaps is one of the most enticing passages uh, for the Christian life to see the lifestyle that you can have as a Christian if you live 
walk and follow with Jesus. Jesus said, come to me all, that's anybody, everybody, all who labor and are heavy laden. That's us. We work a lot. Uh, We maximize every minute that we can. We have timers, stopwatches. We have uh, text notifications. We can oftentimes, in the holiday season, even work harder because we want to maximize incentives, programs, everything we can do. So this this is a word to you this morning, North Valley. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden. Jesus makes an invitation. I'll give you rest. Let that sink in just for a moment. Jesus says, if you come to me, I'll give you rest. What he didn't say is, come to me and I'll give you stress. Becoming a Christian shouldn't be you add more uh, stress and anxiety, discouragement and depression. Um, No, becoming a Christian ought to give you a level of peace. It's the peace of Christ that Jesus promised. Give you a peace, give you a rest. And Jesus says, come to me. If you come to me, I'll give you rest. Why are we so restless? I'll say this, I think it's because we fail to come to Christ. We fail to pursue him in our day. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. In other words, resting is a learning. It's it's something that we've got to learn. We've got to study. I struggled with anxiety. I've struggled with depression in years past. I'm a high-going, type-A personality, always tries to maximize every minute that I can. I try to do more than I can do. I've had a struggle learning my limits. I've always pushed the limit and then I fail. And then I say, well, failure, I'm just going to learn now what I can't do. So now I do better. And so I've had to learn my limits. And so what I had to do over the years is learn how to rest. And my guess is, is that you need to learn how to rest. Like if you're going to be a good mom, if you're going to be a good dad, if you're going to be a good husband, if you're going to be a good wife, if you're going to be a good employer, how do you have that relational space to be good? To have, have enough bandwidth to say, it's okay there's an interruption right now. It's okay that there's a financial crisis right now because I've got margin. When you have no margin, it's, it's disastrous. Those are the voices that the, the suicidal person say, I've, I've got nothing. I can do nothing. I've burned all my relationships. I'm financially destitute. I'm worthless. It's a marginless lifestyle cycle that happens when we have no breathing room. Where do we need the breathing room the most? Where do we need the margin the most? Look what Jesus says. I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. I think the souls are weary of most people. I can't see the spiritual intangible uh, soul of any person, but the soul is immaterial. It's something that we can't see, perhaps angels, and for sure God can see the soul. But our souls are fatigued. And he says, if you come to me, you'll find rest for your soul. I'm going to challenge you to do soul work on a regular basis. You're the only one that can do that. Do heart work on a regular basis. We can see what you look like on the outside, whether you're physically fit, whether you go to the gym, whether you eat healthy or not, but it's hard to know what's going on with the soul. And if your soul is fatigued, then you're spiritually fatigued. And what we've learned in in science is that spirituality and health are oftentimes connected. When I'm unhealthy, there's a struggle that perhaps it's going on that's not only physical, but it's also emotional and spiritual. It's all tied together. And so Jesus 
gives rest, not stress. And less margin equals more anxiety. The more anxiety you have, probably the less margin you have in your life. It can be the little things. Your email notification, turn that thing off. That drives me crazy. Or the text messaging, ding, ding, ding. I'm like, somebody grab that person's phone and throw it. Like, turn those things off. It's a distraction. You have no presence of mind if you're constantly bombarded. Anxiety is a real deal. Uh, recently, there was a uh, Brandon Brooks from the Philadelphia Eagles, the offensive lineman, had to leave the game during the first quarter because he was physically ill. Why? Anxiety. He struggled with this for years and he wasn't able to deal with it. And he's adopted a poor mindset. He said, since 2016, it stems from this unhealthy obsession with football to pursue perfection. Years ago, I, I had a friend I, I worked with and he had a, what he called a phantom that was always with him. He said, the phantom does everything perfect and I never do everything perfect. And so I'm constantly struggling with wanting to be a per, have everything done perfect, but I can't do it perfect, so I'm frustrated. The Christian life tells you you don't need a phantom of perfection because the only perfect person is Jesus. So you're completely imperfect. The church is for imperfect people. God's grace is good enough. Where sin increases, grace abounds. That's our church. You're, all, you're going to be stressed when you challenge yourself. And I'm not advocating a, a decline of progress and seeking to win more and do better. However, I think we've sacrificed a vital role of our spiritual vitality in the efforts of progress. This is what the Apostle Peter, a dear friend of Jesus during his ministry on earth, he says this about anxiety. He says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. Humility and perfection are completely opposite, by the way. He says, so that the proper time he may exalt you and then cast all, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You might want to write this down if you're a note taker, outline maker. Do you cast your anxieties or do you carry them? It's a command. We're commanded to cast our anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Jesus said, I care for your soul. Jesus said, I, I want you to love me. I want you to love people as yourself. You can't love people very well if you hate yourself. And you can't love yourself if you hate, you hate people and you hate God. They go together. We need to cast our anxieties on him. How do you do that? I think of the nights when I've been in prayer and something happened and I'm, I'm anxious about it and anxiety will rob you of your what? Sleep. It'll rob you of your rest and you're sitting there and you're anxious about it. So I'll get up and sometimes I just go to the Lord and I just start to pray. Lord, I'm, I'm physically even. I look like probably a weirdo walking around my house at night. Lord, I'm casting my anxieties on you. I'm a, but then what we need to do is we need to cut the line. Don't reel it back in. Margin is the ministry that restores the body and the soul. The heart beats 100,000 times a day, 1,600 gallons, 60,000 miles of vessels it's pumping through. When you're anxious all the time, your heart is working overloaded. It's already doing a good job. Let, let, let it be healthy. Children are at risk today 
pediatricians and child psychologists will, will say that social changes are too fast. The expectations are too high in academics and sports. And they're growing up with anxiety and the highest levels of prescriptions for children and teens and ever in American history. There's, the competition is too rigid. We want our kids to compete at all costs. We want them to win everything. And if they don't, we get angry and mad and then we blame our kids, perhaps. Time Magazine did an article and the, the title was Burnout at the Age of Nine. Newsweek did another article uh, later and it said The Overscheduled Baby. Moms are so busy in so many different ways. So there are three Grinches that I think that steal the margin out of our lives. I'm going to walk you through those. What is the Grinch? The Grinch is, somebody might say, Jim Carrey. He's the green little guy that he's seeking revenge and he plans on ruining Christmas for everybody. He's going to steal all the presents from Whoville. So what are three Grinches that might steal your margin this Christmas season? Number one is the pretender spender. It's that, it's that little green monster inside of us that says, man, if I just had that, I'd feel better. And I can't, I, can't, I can't afford it, but I do have a credit card, so I'll just use it. Ooh, that felt good. People say, I mean, I feel like I, it's, it's just fun to go shopping. Of course it is, especially when it's not your money, but then you find out you, there's, there's debt and then there's uh, uh, percentages that you have to pay on top of that. And then you become, as the Bible says, a, a, a slave to, 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 to the lender. And so you're stuck. The pretender spender, the Grinch that steals our financial margins. Brad Pitt said in the movie Fight Club, he says, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. I think... Uh, in Proverbs, it tells us that a tranquility of the heart, Proverbs 14.30 says, tranquility of the heart equals health. When there's a peace in your heart, there's health in that. But then it says envy. Envy is wanting somebody else's stuff that you don't have. Envy, the Proverbs says, rots the bones. In other words, it just, from the inside out, it, it makes you, it makes, it, it rots you. It's, it's very unhealthy. It's one of the deadly sins is to have envy. Or, sec, or Proverbs 21.20 says that precious treasures and oil are in wise man's dwelling, but foolish people just devour through it, spend it all. You've got to have margin. How do you have margin? Here's a couple of tips. If you don't have a budget for the holiday season, you should. If you haven't talked about how much money you're going to spend on presents or giving or uh, food or festivals or whatever you're going to go do, holiday travel, create a budget. Have the conversation with your spouse. Have the conversation with yourself if you're single. But do something and realize that you need to have margin. Margin is what helps you out when you're, when you're stuck or you're in trouble. You don't have the car, the tires need replacing. If you got margin, you're not freaking out. If the car breaks, you can fix it. The pretender spender. Secondly, is the, the Grinch is, is the need to succeed. This can become an idol. And, and many business executives and even pastors and uh, hard laborers and workers in the health industry or the, the uh, technology industry or the finance industry have sacrificed their family on the altar of success. This need to succeed is, 
is an epidemic. Everybody wants to succeed. And there's nothing wrong with success, but if you have to have it to feel valuable before the eyes of the Lord, you've got a big problem. The Grinch has taken over. He stole all your margin. And it robs you of relationships. I can think of uh, pastors and different people over the years that they, they uh, one story of a guy that I know was, he's done incredibly well in, in seasons of, 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 of his business. However, his father has done even better. And he's constantly trying to do even more to be more successful and more advantageous and keep working and opening up new businesses, new enterprises. And he lives in the shadow of his dad. And he has this un, under the heart, in the heart and the soul work of this deep Grinch that is saying, you've got to succeed to be valuable. And really, that's a lie from the devil. And so what does he do? He works even harder. And guess who suffers as a result? All the family. See, when the need to succeed is so strong, the Grinch will come in and steal all the relational margins and the people that matter most feel like they matter the the least. I think of pastors that have gone through this before. We have to succeed. We have to be bigger. We have to be better. We have to move faster. We've got to work further. And then their family feels fractured and frustrated and at odds with, other, with one another. So how do you deal with this? I think you break away to spend time with the Lord. In Mark 1.35, Jesus rose early in the morning with a busy ministry schedule, and it was still dark, and he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. When you're in a busy, busy season, you break away and you pray. Prayer is something that some have said it moves the hand of God. I would say, yes, I do. I think God responds to prayer, but prayer does something to you. It's therapeutic. It, it reveals the, the motivations and the intentions of the heart. It does something in you. Research has shown prayer does, has this healing effect upon the heart and the soul. It's no surprise that in Exodus 34, 21, uh, we're commanded, the, the, the believers were commanded, six days you shall work, but on the seventh day, you shall rest. And then here, in no other section of Scripture, there's kind of an explanation and an emphasis. In plowing time and in harvest time, you shall rest. In an agrarian society, uh, this was spelling out the details. It was the fine print to show you that even when it's the busiest of times and the temptation would be the highest to work and to deal with the things that you had to deal with in your business or for your crops back then, the emphasis is a command, you shall rest. You take one day out of the week and you say, oh, I'm going to rest in this time. What does that look like today in the new covenant as believers? It looks like that there's one day out of the week where we dedicate it for prayer, for worship, for studying the scriptures or learning the scriptures or service. And it should take all precedence over making more money and making our business work further and faster. We've got to take a break, ladies and gentlemen, or we'll be broke in. And we've got nothing to offer if we not have anything within us. Margin is what we need, and we have this desire, this need to succeed, and ultimately, we need to find our success in being simply faithful to the Lord. And so the third Grinch, I think, that is present that is seeking to rob you of your margin this holiday season is the people pleaser. The people pleaser. 
You know, just giving in to what people want. They say, come over here, visit us for the holidays. You might just need to say, no, we're not going to do that. As for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. This is what we're going to do. You might need to say no to a number of different things. Saying no feels really good. Saying no will also, it will be challenging to you. I remember years ago uh, with my father, I told him, I said, Dad, I, I, uh, I feel like God's calling me to go down to Dallas Seminary. And he said, son, I, I don't think that's a good idea. And I said, why is that? And he said, because you have one of the best youth positions, perhaps in the state of Arkansas, in one of the, the, one of the best churches. You have, a, you have a new wife. You have two new kids. You have your house. You have margin in your life there. You should just stay in Little Rock. And in fact, I found out that the church has offered to pay 100% of your seminary if you just stay in Little Rock and work with them. I said, well, Dad, I, I feel like God's calling me to do something like maybe plant a church one day. And he said, son, I, I mean, this was hard to hear. He said, son, I don't see you doing that. I said, okay. And then he said, uh, I wouldn't go to Dallas. I think it's a big mistake. I said, okay. I hung up the phone and I said to my wife, well, my dad doesn't believe in me to do that. So and she said, what are you going to do? I said, I think I need to go back and pray and talk, talk to the Lord about it came away and I felt like my heavenly father said, no, you got to go to Dallas. And you just tell your, your dad, I'm sorry, you don't understand, but this is what God's calling me to do. So I moved down to Dallas. We're down there. We're about in year one. And uh, he comes down and visits a couple times and he calls me when he gets back to Arkansas and said, son, I was wrong. That's the best decision you ever made. I'm so glad you're at Dallas. I was like, yeah, eat your heart out, old man. <laughs> now, we have a good relationship, but he didn't believe in me to do that. He didn't see it in me. If I would have been a people pleaser, I wouldn't have been there. I needed that. That was my Arabia. I got away for three years like the Apostle Paul after his conversion and just had a dedication of learning and studying and walking through every book of the Bible, studying all of, of the theological truths of Scripture, and I just laid it before the Lord. What do you want to do with me? And in that time, I said, uh, okay, I feel like God's calling us to go plant a church in Phoenix. My dad, once again, chimes in with his uh, wonderful wisdom that he knows all the details of my life and says to me, son, I really think that's a, a, not a good move. Phoenix, what's in the desert? I said, well, it's like the fifth largest city in America. It's like, uh, you know... Uh, it's like one of the least uh, biblically literate cities in the country. It's right there with San Francisco. It's like people don't know the Bible, Dad. I'm going to go teach the Bible. Oh, oh. Uh, I'm going to go there. And Lord, uh, it's one of the most unchurched cities in the country. It's one of the fastest growing counties in the country, Dad. I, I'm going to go there. I don't think it's a good idea, son. You could plant a church in Little Rock. You have hundreds of friends show up. I mean, you, you, you were the guy who gave your faith to Christ and you used to walk with the devil. Now you walk with the Lord. You should stay here. And I said, no, I don't think he's calling me to do that. And came, he came out to Phoenix and visited and, and uh, he actually helped uh, rearrange our, our ranch and our finances so he could be a part of this church and help build it. And uh, he called one day and said, hey, Ryan, I need you to know I was wrong. I'm glad you went to Phoenix. I said, eat your heart out, old man. 
We have a good time together, me and my dad, but I'll tell you something, if I didn't listen to the Lord, I'd do any, everything that everybody else wants me to do, and that's the greatest mistake you could, you could do in your life. Especially young kids, you're, you, you need to know for you that are young, and parents, listen, this is the goal of parenting, you raise those kids to be independent of you and completely dependent on God. People are going to try to tell them what they are and what they can do and what they can't do. And even us as parents can really screw things up and tell them, you can't do this, you can't do that. We've got to hold more open hands. But it's more on us. You don't let that Grinch come in. You don't, you don't settle for people pleasing. It'll ruin all your time. It'll rob you and mess you up. This Grinch steals our time margins. Oftentimes, we don't have enough time to do the things that we want to do with the people we want to spend time with to accomplish the things that God's created us for if we're constantly people-pleasing. And so Colossians 3.23 has been one of my favorite Bible verses. It says, whatever you do, do it work, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. At the end of the day, you live before an audience of one. This holiday season, you live before one, one maker, one Lord. And you seek to follow his commands and his way. You seek that audience of one. You don't, you shouldn't, your life is not a stage where you stand on the stage and you're trying to please everybody's choices and preferences and all that. You'll wear yourself out. People pleasing. Say things like no on a regular basis. You can say no and, and have time. Could you do this? We fall into that category of just that, uh, the curse of one more thing. It's just one more thing. I could help you with that. Just say no. It's just one more thing. I could do that. It won't take that much. It'll slowly eat away all your margin. And then you find yourself frustrated and unhealthy. God wants us at our best so that we can become all that he wants us to be. The Bible tells us that we were created in Christ for good works, which by the way, he created you before the, he planned you and purposed you before the foundations of the earth. And if you're not in tune with his voice and you, you really have a hard time fulfilling that work because you're listening to everybody else. Proverbs tells us that the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So if we're constantly afraid of what other people are going to think about us or whatever, uh, then it's like a snare. It's a trap. But it says, whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. There's safety in that. The Apostle Paul used to say something like this. He'd say, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. I mean, you try. You try. But sometimes it just doesn't work out. Sometimes people are going to disagree with you. People you love, people you respect. And you've got to stick to your guns of knowing, what is God calling me to do? And if you have no faith backbone, no strength in your spiritual vitality, then you're, the Bible says that you're like a wave being tossed around in the sea. You're constantly going one way and then another way. And the indecisiveness in our culture is frustrating. We're afraid to bother people. We're constantly trying to be politically correct and just forget it. Do yourself a favor and just say, to Lord, what do you want in my life? Then I'm going to choose not fear. I'm going to choose faith. And I'm going to walk by faith, live by faith, because you, this whole Christian life is a life of faith. So here's what I want to do in closing, is I just want to challenge you. Maybe some of you, you you've not said uh, 
yes to the right things. Your time margins are maxed out. And you walk in here maybe Sunday after Sunday and you're like, man, I wish I had more time to do good and godly things. Pastor Ryan talked about dedicating that day for, for prayer, for worship, for service, for study of the scriptures. Today's the day I'll dedicate that next step for me in my life. I'd encourage you to do that. Make a one day out of the week different and say yes to the things that matter the most. Get closer to your heavenly father. When you walk with him and you talk with him, he says, I'll give you rest. I won't give you stress. And he'll help you to walk through that. And so this holiday season, I want to say one of the greatest opportunities that you could take here at North Valley in our church family is being involved in a ministry and mission. Maybe in closing out 2019 and your time margins, you say, how could I be more engaged, more involved, taking that next step? Pastor Joshua talked about uh, getting involved in that growth track. Um, Holiday season for us is we're we're having six different services. Maybe you'd jump on board and say, hey, I'll help out. I'd I'd like to help out. Maybe for you, it would be just saying, you know what, on Sundays, I'm going to take the message. I'm going to go home and look up all the scriptures. I'm going to study them. I'm I'm going to gather my family together. And I'm scared to death, but I'm going to pray with my family. And I'm going to pray for my family. I'm going to pray for my kids. I'm going to pray for my wife. What if at night, maybe you and your spouse went in and you said, hey, tonight we're going to tuck in the kids together and we're going to pray for our children together. I got a little seven-year-old daughter named Maya. She's at home today. She's sick. She's, on, she's got a fever. And right before I left and I came over here, I left about 5.45, 6 o'clock, and I said, hey, little bear. I said, I'm so sorry you don't feel good. Let me pray for you real quick. And then as I said, amen, she looked at me. She's not feeling good. And she said, thank you, daddy. I love it when you pray with me. I'm telling you guys, you got to make time for what matters the most. You've got to be able to, to say, okay, I want to, I want to do, I want to, I don't, I, I don't want to try to please everybody. I want to pr- please my heavenly father. I want to hear from Jesus one day, well done, good and faithful servant. And if you don't, you're going to live a marginless life going back and forth, exhausted and frustrated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of teaching your word. I pray for today for the folks that maybe are here today and they, if they were to die tonight, they have no idea if they would make it into heaven. I pray that you would bring eternal rest here in this moment. That by simply placing their faith in you, acknowledging their sin, by believing in Jesus Christ to forgive them of their sin, and confessing you, Lord, as Lord and Savior, that they might find eternal life there. You promise to give it to all who believe and who all receive you, making us children of God. And for everybody here today, Lord, I pray that the ministry of margin would rest upon our families here, our friends. Father, that the peace of Christ would dwell richly, that the word of Christ would dwell richly in the homes and in the hearts of everybody here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.